to get into it, man, you know. Like a like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it all? One, two, three, four. Get up. Get on up. Get up. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on KJR. I'm Terry Blunt, along with the great Jackson Feltz. Puckett, Mr. Puckett, is vacationing for July 4th week. I hope everyone has great plans for July 4th week. It should be a lot of fun here in the Seattle area, as always. But it is a sad day here in the Pacific Northwest. The boom is gone from the Legion of Boom. Cam Chancellor basically announcing yesterday on Twitter that his career is likely over because of his neck injury. Nothing that surprises us. We all knew this day probably was coming. But now to see him actually say it, it's painful. It's painful for a lot of Seahawks fans. It's painful, I think, for a lot of just NFL fans who realize one of the great safeties in the game is no longer going to be able to play the game he loves when he's still able to play it at a very high level but he just can't risk the injury. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. We want to get your feelings on that about Cam Chancellor, uh, one of the truly one of the most popular players of this era for the Seahawks in the back-to-back Super Bowl years. You know, to me, there's no there's two players that exemplify this era of the Seahawks for their physicality, for their dominance, for the the fear they struck in the hearts of other teams. And for the fact that they were so tough, you know, their intimidation factor. One was on offense, that was Marshawn Lynch, and one was on defense, and that was Cam Chancellor. I guarantee you there are a lot of receivers that went into games against the Seahawks and didn't want to catch a ball over the middle. There's going to be a lot of receivers this year who are very happy they can go over the middle and not have to worry about Cam (laughs) Chancellor. (laughs) He's one of the most ferocious hitters in the history of the NFL, and just one of the all-time great guys that I've ever had the privilege of covering. I want to, we'll talk later about his uh, his Twitter statement, which really is, it, it just touches you in the heart. He is so personal about it. He says so many things about why he had to make this decision. We'll talk about that later. But there's so much to talk about today. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't heard, if you've been in a cave or I don't know, <laughs> what could have possibly <laughs> happened that you didn't know, LeBron James is going to showtime. Showtime is back in L.A. That's no shock either, I don't think, to most people, but he made it official. He didn't He didn't make this thing drawn out like it was before. There's not going to be any big thing like when he went to Miami where he has a ESPN show to make his announcement. As a matter of fact, from what I've heard, he's not going to have anything at all. He's just going to say, hey, it's over, I did it, and I'm here. So Taking my talents to Venice Beach. That's it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's a big surprise. We'll talk about what that means for the Lakers. we talk about whether they can compete with the Warriors, what it means for his future, all kind of things down that road. We want you to tell us and text us on the Heritage Distilling text line at 49451 if you think LeBron will win a championship with the Lakers. If so, why? And if not, why? Why do you think he will, or why do you think he won't? That's what we want you to send us in on the text line at 49451. And we have some other great things we want you to weigh in. And speaking of that situation in the NBA, the man that almost everyone thought was going to go with him to Los Angeles, Paul George, has <laughs> say what? Has decided to stay in Oklahoma City. Can you believe that one? So that had to be a moment for, that was definitely a moment for me where I went, you have got to be kidding me. So in that regard, 
We have put together a wonderful poll for you on Twitter to uh, to weigh in on about why why Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City instead of joining LeBron James in Los Angeles. And here are your choices. First, he wanted to work on an oil well. <laughs> Second, dust storms are better than ocean breezes. Third, he just loves the musical Oklahoma, where the trees, I don't even know what to sing it. Okay, he loves the musical Oklahoma. And fourth, he dreams of someday riding the range as a cowboy with his cowboy hat. By the way, the cowboy National Cowboy Hall of Fame is in Oklahoma. So there you go. Maybe he just wants to be a cowboy. You weigh in on what you think are the reasons that Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City instead of joining LeBron James in L.A. That's going to be a wild one. I can't wait to see what you guys say about that. All kinds of stuff going on in sports. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of a, a a difficult time for Seattle sports fans because on the one hand there's almost to the point of delirium over T A M the amazing Mariners these guys <laughs> just continue continue to keep keeping on I mean yesterday I was there Curtis Crabtree was there another fantastic effort by uh, James Paxson on Canada Day. The big maple goes out, throws eight shutout innings, strikes out 11, uh, and then Eddie Diaz comes in in the ninth and strikes out the side, and they win one to nothing. Their seventh consecutive victory. They're only half a game behind the Astros, who lost again, and they've they are now five and five in their last ten games. By the way, Puckett, who probably is laying on a beach somewhere today, I don't know. <laughs> He made me make a bet. And look, you know, everyone knows I grew up in Houston. I covered the Astros for many years, the Houston Chronicle, blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, he made me say that if, the, what if the, what if, what if the Mariners beat the Astros out for the Western Division title? And frankly, I don't think that's out of the question. They're only having a game out. And before that, when we did this last week, I told him, I said, you know, I really think they have a chance to catch them. And he said, but you don't want them to. So we're going to have to make some kind of bet. So I said, okay, I'll agree not to eat at Jack's Barbecue for an entire month. That's the only place I can get real Texas barbecue. He said, nope, that's not good enough. Not good enough. So we we agreed. I agreed begrudgingly because, frankly, I'll be glad if Seahawk, if the, if the Mariners win uh, the, the AL West. But I agreed that if the Mariners beat the Astros out for the AL West, I will get the Z-like symbol in the side of my head that Diaz has oh. on his. So that'll end up being oh, two Terry. of us. That'll end up being two of us because <laughs> Scott's service is definitely going to have to do that. He made a deal that he would do it if Diaz gets to 50 saves. Well, he's got 32 saves. Yeah, that's he may get to 60 saves. So he's definitely going to do it. So maybe we can take a side-by-side if they ended up winning the division title. <laughs> and uh, you know what? If that happens, I'm fine with it. I'll be thrilled because it'll mean this... The Mariners have their best team in a very, very long time. We already know that now. And they'll probably be battling to the very end with the Astros, which would be so much fun. So, you know what? Fine. I don't even care. I'll gladly do it. The only problem is I don't know if it'll grow back at my age, but, hey, that's all right. (laughs) That's all right. I'm happy to do it if that's what it comes down to. So much to talk about today. So many cool things. Remember, at 1020... We'll have our sports news of the day, five topics for you to weigh in on with audio about some things that are happening uh, in the sports world today. Obviously, quite a bit for you to talk about there. We've got audio on Eddie Diaz strikes out the side in the ninth. We've got Chancellor Super Bowl hit and interception. 
LeBron James Audio Lonzo Ball reacts to LeBron joining the Lakers. That has to be the happiest guy around. Uh, that's going to be an interesting sideshow with the Ball family and LeBron. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then we've got audio from Neymar. Scores for Brazil in the 51st minute. Uh, by the way, uh, they beat uh, Mexico 2 to nothing. Uh, Mexico is done. And uh, unfortunately, the Sounders couldn't get it done against Portland. That's a, uh, a little bit disappointing, but uh, we'll have some audio on that as well. A lot of cool things to talk about today. And we want your Cam memories. At 1045, we're going to talk about Cam memories. Uh, by the way, he's not officially retiring uh, for financial reasons he can't do that it would the the Seahawks still owe him 11 million dollars through next season 6 million and change this year 5 million next year he's not officially retiring he can't say that for those obvious reasons no one's going to throw away that kind of money they'll end up putting him on the pup list physically unable to perform list and by doing so, the one good thing out of that is he, he probably will still be around. You know, maybe he's on the sidelines during their games, during their home games. Maybe he's out there at practice. And maybe, as a matter of fact, he can give some input into these young safeties that could use his help. I mean, no one's going to be a hitter that he is, but he certainly could help them. And just the fact if he's still around, I think that's a good thing. Uh, the fact that, you know, I don't know for sure he's going to do that, but I know Cam and I think he would like to be. And I, so that's a, that's the only tiny bit of positive information maybe that's coming out of this. So going forward, it'll be interesting to see how they play that, and will this whole thing play into what they do with Earl Thomas? I mean, now they now you know it's official. Not that anybody didn't expect this, but now that it's official, what are they going to do with Earl? Are they willing to pay him the big bucks? Are they going to let him show up and be disgruntled? Is he going to hold out even though it would cost him half a million dollars a game to do so? I do not see Earl doing that. Or will they just go ahead and cut bait and send him elsewhere, get the best deal you can get, and realize that year is over, let's start over, Let's let's move on for everyone's sake. So it'll be interesting to see what they do on that. Lots of great things to talk about today. We're also going to have PJ Carlissimo on at twelve twenty to talk to us about the LeBron deal and whether he thinks we'll have another Sonics team here in the future. He was the coach of the last Sonics teams for people who don't know that, and he does live here. So uh, it'll be really fun to talk to him. And we have our own Curtis Crabtree on later today to also put in his. Two cents worth on the Mariners and the Seahawks. Stick with us. Great show coming up today on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Live in Seattle sports. And the greatest fans in the world. On Seattle's original diehard sports station. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Bucket and the Gas Man. Well, Jason Puckett and the Gas Man are who knows where on vacation this week for July 4th, but Jackson Feltz and Terry Blunt, we're here talking to you today and talking a lot of sports news. I guess I would say, Jackson, I'm kind of the uh, Alex Colomay here in the transition team this week. I'm the eighth <laughs> inning guy. Uh, hopefully I'm doing, doing a little better than he did the last, uh, last couple of outings, although he was okay. He got it done on uh, Saturday night. But uh, so I'm the Cliff Averill, team. I mean, Cliff Averill, Edwin Diaz. There you go. Starting next Monday. <laughs> so look. By the way, speaking of that, uh, you know, it's next week when we have the new show with Jason Puckett and Cliff Averill. 
I can't wait for that. This is something everyone here at KJR has been looking forward to for a really long time. Cliff Averill, the defense, former defensive end for the Seahawks. By the way, there, there probably is nobody in the world who knows better how Cam Chancellor feels today than Cliff Averill, a man who also uh, was forced to retire because of a neck injury. And uh, we just are looking forward so much to having him here. He's a super guy, one of the really one of the best guys I've ever covered in my entire career. He's going to be great on the radio. He and Puckett will be awesome together. That show starts a week from today on July 9th, and we're really, really looking forward to it. But right now, we're going to have our sports news of the day, and we've got some cool clips to play audio and talk about. First, the Mariners sweep the Royals. Here's the audio of Eddie Diaz striking out the side in the night. The 2-2. Strike three called. Slider freezes Herrera. A weak wave and a miss. And the slider makes for a funeral. Eustakis is out number two. And he got it. A slider to finish Perez. Edwin Diaz, filthy as always, strikes out the side in order in the ninth. Listen, this guy, Jackson, these stats on him, I've looked some of this up, are abs- I've never seen anything like it. I covered baseball for years. I've never seen anything like it. So listen to this. Okay. The Mariners are 22-0 and when Diaz enters the game with a one-run lead this season. 22-0. <laughs> and They're 40-0. They're 40-0 they're and and any time he enters the game when they have the lead. 40 and 0. Although they have like 53 or 54. They've only got 54 wins. (laughs) They're 40 and 0 when he enters the game with a lead. His ERA when he comes in the game with a one run lead is 0.81. Oh, wow. With 40 strikeouts in 22 and a third innings. I mean, the guy is out of this world unconscious. And get this here's another unbelievable stat I saw today. At this point, Diaz is the one of only two pitchers in Major League history. To have at least 30 saves and 70 strikeouts before the All-Star break. The other was uh, Eric Gagne with the Dodgers. Right. 30 saves and 70 Ks before the All-Star break. That's only happened twice in baseball history. You know what's funny, Terry, is that being a lifelong Mariner fan, you always expect disaster. You always expect (laughs) failure and something to go wrong. So it's funny. You you mentioned 40 times, 40 and 0 when when, when he comes in, right? Right. And there's always the expectation that if there's a one-run rate, what was it, 22 and 0 when he has a one-run? 22 and 0 and it's one run. Yeah. Now, to be fair... Two of those, he did have two blown saves there that they came back and won. Yeah. But, but he still got 20 saves in those. Yeah. Still a win. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's always the expectation that it's going to fall apart. They'll give up this lead. And, and the fact that it hasn't happened once Not in once. 22 times that they've lost, this is, this is insane. And it's kind of scary for what Scott do I do with my Service. Hands? He, he talked about that <laughs> yesterday. He said, look, I'm not crazy. This is baseball. I realize this can't go on forever. <laughs> yeah. At some point, someone is going to hit a ball off him. But but what he's done is absolutely phenomenal. He's got this. I've watched him so much now. He's got this whipping action with his arms. He's got really long arms to begin with, and he's lanky. And you know, he he, he when he throws the ball and lets it go, I'm telling you, by the time he lets go of the ball, it can't be more than 54, 53 feet from home plate when he lets it go at 99 miles an hour. You just don't have time to react. And it's kind of a whipping motion, and especially with his slider, oh, my goodness, he's he's really been amazing. So it's going to be fun. You know, watch that going forward. We got Our next audio is Cam Chancellor, an audio on Chancellor's Super Bowl hit and interception. Number one defense trying to do that. Pass is caught big hit. Cam Chancellor. He made the hit 
Thomas. And a gain of just two, and Demarius Thomas got popped. Now third down and seven. They're coming after Manning. Pass is too high and picked by Chancellor. Intercepted by Cam Chancellor. I think a lot of people would agree, and I wrote this that night for ESPN, is possibly the most dominating defensive performance ever in a Super Bowl. They were just un... I mean, it, Peyton Manning couldn't do anything. For the greatest offense in regular season history yeah, to that point. That, and that's what was amazing about it. Yeah. They completely shut them down. It was a prime example of that defense at its greatness. They physically just dominate you and intimidate you. And, of course, Chancellor was the, was the biggest one at that. By the way, I have a Twitter poll that you guys are voting on. Uh, so far, there's four four possibilities of your biggest Chancellor moment that I listed. One is the Super Bowl hit on Thomas that we just heard. Uh, another is the hit on uh, Santa Clara 49er Vernon Davis on the Christmas Eve game, oh, yeah. the famous game. Uh, another is the jump over the line, which he did twice against Carolina, jumping over the line on a field goal attempt. Right. And that same game, he had a 90-yard touchdown return against Carolina that kind of sealed that playoff game so those are the four choices at the moment a runaway winner is of course the crushing hit on the dreaded santa clara 49ers and at that time tight end vernon davis a little bit They're, surprised about I that know, i'm a little surprised about that over the super bowl thing yeah yeah but uh that's 69 percent at the moment still a lot of time to vote on that so uh keep keep your votes coming in on that okay here's our next audio this is lebron james picks the los angeles lakers of course and lonzo ball reacts to it i find out like everybody else very excited moment you know not only for myself but for the whole city of la very happy to have him man it's the only word that comes to mind is crazy like you said my whole life i've been watching him saying he's my favorite player and then just to be able to have the opportunity to play with him you know it's really crazy i'm just waiting for lonzo's dad to say that this is the <laughs> chance for lonzo to prove he's better than lebron james Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, Lonzo better be glad he's there because his career was going nowhere till that happened. So I think it's, you know, I'll be great for him. You know, the, the question going forward is, is another big name coming? And the, the biggest one out there, of course, is Kawhi Leonard. Do they end up trading him? Does LeBron know that's coming? Is that why he signed? Who knows? I mean, there was the report that, that LeBron had already made this decision a few days ago. He had met with Philadelphia earlier, earlier. I want to say either yesterday or Saturday, just as a courtesy. And if he had made this decision a few days ago, Terry, you have to wonder what the thought process is there because to, he would have to know that he's getting some help. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Tanya Ganguly, who's the Lakers writer for the Los Angeles Times, a, a friend of mine I worked with at ESPN, she wrote a wonderful story last night saying that it really wasn't a factor for him that at one point when he when uh, when LeBron flew in there in his private jet from Anguilla or something like that I don't <laughs> yeah. know where he was coming from anyway Magic Johnson went to his went to LeBron's home in Brentwood in the middle of the night at like two a.m. or something like that to go secretly they sat down they talked all the rest of the night and they really hit it off they're both from the Midwest. They both talked about how basketball for them is a door to their business careers that have been very successful at. And they both talked about how basketball for them was a doorway to social change, a doorway to be able to do things in the community that they want to do, and how for Magic and now for LeBron, Los Angeles is a better place for him to be able to do that, especially with his political thoughts, his belief structure, and those kind of things. So she says that it really didn't matter. He believes that you know, maybe they will get 
Kawhi, maybe they won't. But it doesn't. It didn't matter to him. It wasn't part of his decision process. So maybe it's more a focus for LeBron on being in a place, you know, the entertainment capital of, of the world in Los Angeles, somewhere where he gets more exposure rather than somewhere where he can win, which is sort of interesting. And the other part of it was is that he wasn't all that uh, animated about going to a team that's ready made for to win a championship like like Durant did. He he wants his legacy, the end of his legacy, he wants to be that he brought championship basketball back to the Lakers. He he can end his career with that, he'll be happy. So those were her thoughts on it anyway. It'll be interesting to see how it goes and, and what happens there. All right, let's do a little World Cup audio. The great Neymar scores for Brazil in the 51st minute versus Mexico. FIFA World Cup's Neymar cutting inside, cutting it back. William, a touch, his shot, rolled through traffic and stabbed in by Neymar. So Mr. Controversy himself with the big goal, I assume he didn't have any fall down from getting touched uh, during the game or anything like that? Oh God, it happened more <laughs> than like once every nine minutes was the thing where we got the report last week. It was just that's I, embarrassing. I didn't see much of this. Apparently Mexico was never really in it. Yeah, I mean the first 25-ish minutes of this match, Mexico had a chance to do something and then Brazil sort of, once the, once the game kind of settled down a little bit, they figured it out. They got control of the game, and it, there was really kind of no contest. And in the second half, it just kind of got boring, and, and Brazil eventually scored the second one. But you mentioned Neymar falling down. God, there was a moment in, I want to say, the end of the first half where he was on the sideline, just, you know, he was pretending, of course, to have an injury. Mexico guy comes over, barely steps on the side of his ankle. It really kind of was just kind of a glancing blow. Right. And Neymar proceeds to roll about eight times on the <laughs> sideline. <laughs> you're already on the sideline, and you're just already faking an injury. You don't need to fake another one and then moreover if you're faking an injury how do you have the ability to flop around like a fish eight times right yeah how, how bad can it possibly be right well he is controversial but he is an incredible player and boy talk about a team that went just crashed and burned mexico after such a great yeah. start everyone said this is the best team they've ever had They're they've really got a chance to win this and the last two times out they were just not there I mean, you're facing a little bit better competition. Sweden's looked a, a lot better, and then Brazil it seems like they're finally putting it together after kind of a disappointing group stage. So that's going to be an interesting case to watch Mexico going forward here in CONCACAF is are they able to keep this you know, this performance of the first? It was like a tale of two World Cups for Mexico. Yeah, will, it really will, was. Will the, will the real Mexico please stand up and, you know, going forward? And, in like, I guess for, for the casual fan, Neymar now is the biggest name still left that could win it because Messi's out, yeah. uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's out. So, and there's a lot of great players, of course, but of guys that, you know, the average person knows and has heard of, he's probably the biggest name left of that bunch. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they do. But I, it's still hard to pick a for-sure favorite there. It's almost impossible. Let me ask you a question, Terry. When the NCAA tournament happens, you, you like to see upsets in the first round? You of like, course. Right. Do you like to see upsets in the Final Four? Or do you like to see the favorites make, make the championship? Well, it would depend on who's stuff. left. Like, yeah. for, the, for, for example, the year when Butler made it to the Final Four, I think mm -hmm. you know almost everybody wanted to see Butler win the championship. But if the Final Four is two one-seeds and, and a three-seed and a four-seed, at that point you probably just want the favorite to win. It doesn't really matter that much, unless that's your school or you went to school or something. Yeah. But in this case, if you're getting at in this case in the World Cup, 
unless it, again, unless Iceland had made it or something like that, I think you want to see the best teams win. Yeah, exactly. Because they have the best players. Right now you see a situation where, well, okay, Argentina, France, we'll start with that one. Both of them are, are going to be favorites to go through. But Russia beating Spain, Spain, yeah. a favorite, knocked out now. You see yesterday, Denmark, it, it's not necessarily that they're a favorite, but you see a, a smaller country in Croatia go through. Right. You're seeing this, the World Cup, you know, as it looks right now, Uruguay beats Ronaldo. You're, you're yeah. getting all of the big stars and all of the big names knocked out. It's, it's a little bit interesting as a soccer fan to, to look at this and go, yeah, but does the casual soccer fan really care now? Because there aren't really those big countries in the big Yeah, and I think anymore. it'll hurt the TV ratings a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I agree. Because Messi's the guy. Everyone knows. They want to see him play, and also Cristiano Ronaldo, and those guys aren't in it anymore. So, you know, it hurt him, period. You know, the U.S. isn't in it, at least a little bit. And now those guys that people know who are the casual fans, some of those guys are gone. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's better for the bigger teams to win in that case. And now, if Russia wins again, I think we're going to start hearing conspiracy theories of with course. Putin yes. at this point. Yes. I mean, Putin's rigged the whole tournament <laughs> at this point. So, uh, yeah, but uh, they're they're still hanging in there. The home folks are still hanging in there. So one more. Uh, the Sounders, a tough loss to Portland on Saturday night. And here is Laris Mabiala scores for Portland in the 74th minute. Five timbers in the box. Valeri, another great service. Headed down and in the back of the net. It's Mabiala once again. From 10 yards out, Mabiala puts Portland up 3-2 in the 74th. You know, it's bad enough <laughs> that the Sounders are just having this just miserable season so far, but to lose twice to Portland and lose at home to Portland. Now, Catch me if I'm wrong. Has that happened before? It's the first MLS regular season so. loss for Seattle against Portland. Yeah, that's that's feeling. painful. That is really really painful. So uh, that's going to be like that's like if Richard Sherman comes here in his first game back in Seattle and Santa Clara just crushes the Seahawks and he has two interceptions and runs one back for a touchdown or something. Yeah. You know, it's that it's almost that bad uh, for the Sounders fans. But look, the the Cavalry's coming here. I mean, you know, that is it going to be hopefully not too late, but they're they're coming. Yeah, you got this new guy Raul Rui Diaz. He's the striker from Peru who's who's going to be joining the team two matches from now in two weeks uh, against Atlanta if the if the P1 visa goes through like like we think it should. But the big question Terry as you said is how far will this team be deep in the standings? Right now they're second to last place in the Western Conference. Yeah. And they've really shown no. They have one win in their last eight overall competitions, six losses in that span. And it's the big question of is this good? What's funny is they're a good team on paper. On paper, you put these names down there and you say, well, okay, yeah, you have some quality talent, and especially when you get Rui Diaz in there. But it's just not coming together right now. Just it, yeah. whether one thing or another thing. You know, this is such a different thing for all Sounders fans, uh, you know, ever really. Well, I wanted to ask you, what was the crowd like out there on Saturday? Now, this is Portland, so I realize that's a big deal. Yeah. But is it starting to get to the point where people are a little aggravated? Do, do, do you hear any boos? I mean, what's happening? Yeah, there? so I think you, you are starting to hear some boos in the losses. I, I didn't hear as many in this match because I think what Sounder fans want is they want their team to go out and score. They, they don't want the team to, to bunker and just care about you know getting a point and if they can score a miracle goal, getting a one nothing victory. They want them to go out and try. And, you know, Seeing two goals on the board and losing 3-2, okay, a little bit more understandable. So there weren't as many boos in the past this last week and the crowd was amazing i haven't seen the crowds 
fall that much. There were still 47,000 people there. And that, was a, and that was a day when there was a day game uh, for the Mariners, too. That's that right. They had 33,000 there. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the crowds aren't going down. I think you see it mostly on social media. You see it on places like Twitter and Reddit and stuff. People starting to get up in arms and, and get furious about this. But, you know, I, I how I look at sports, Terry, and you'll agree with this, is it, this goes, it's bigger than soccer. It's cyclical. Sports yeah, are cyclical. There's, there's highs and there's lows, and you're not going to make the playoffs every year, which, oh, by the way, the Sounders have never missed the playoffs. Right, that's it. It's just it was new. Going to come. It's different for them is the thing. It's been a yeah. long high cycle for them. <laughs> yeah. So it has you know it has to happen at some point. You know, the Mariners, it's the exact opposite, right? When right. You know, it 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 just so happens that it's happening the same year. The Mariners have been so bad, now they're really good. Sounders yep. have been so good and now they're having a down year, you know. It, and it's come just, back to the question. It's all part of sports. It comes and yeah. goes, folks. I've seen it a million times. <laughs> we got great stuff coming up today. We have PJ Carlissimo coming on at twelve twenty. We have Curtis Crabtree at eleven twenty. We're gonna have a Mariners segment at the top of the hour, the amazing Mariners as I call them. Lunch with listeners. We'll have crosstalk with Ian Furness later today before his show. A lot of good stuff. But coming up in the next segment, your Cam Chancellor memories. Broadcasting live here in downtown Seattle on Seattle's original diehard sports station, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man. You know, in this segment, we want to talk a little bit about your Cam Chancellor memories and, you know, send us a text if you like on the Heritage Stilling text line at 49451. You can also continue to vote on your Cam Chancellor favorite moment on my uh, Twitter page that uh, I have up there. There's four choices. But one thing I want to do in this segment, you know, we're in an era where athletes often tweet news. The, the first thing we hear doesn't come from the team or a coach or whatever. It actually comes from the athlete saying what his situation is. He's going to a new team if he's retiring, whatever he may be doing. And in this, and so we're used to that. But in this case with Cam Chancellor, I felt, I don't know that I've ever read a more heartfelt and heartbreaking tweet than the one he sent out yesterday. So let me read just a little of it, of what he said when he made this announcement yesterday. He said, I've played through all types of bruises and injuries at a high level, but this one I just can't ignore. When the doctors told me what was going on back in November, I could feel my heart drop to my stomach. To walk away from the game by chance is one thing. To walk away because of risk of paralysis is another. He also said that when he learned of his condition, he said it was the lowest point for him as a man. Uh, and then one other thing that I thought was really interesting that he said, and uh, this is a kind of a, a mention of what's happening with the CTE era and that stuff. He said, pray for your boy. I have no idea how these head injuries will go after the game. That's, you know, that's scary and sad that he realizes that because of the way he played the game, he doesn't know for sure what his condition may be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and 20 years from now. So uh, that was quite a painful tweet to read about Cam and his feelings and realizing that you know it's so hurtful when a guy has to leave the game just because of an injury, not because he can no longer play at a high level, not because the team has moved on, not because he got traded or whatever happened. He had to leave because he can't risk uh, paralysis because of his neck injury, which he also said the last the last time the doctors looked at it, it had not healed, so that's not going to change. And not a surprise, but really 
really difficult and really painful to read a guy who was so incredibly well-liked. And you know, going forward, what does this mean? What does this mean for the Seahawks organization? Obviously, they have the situation now with Earl Thomas, whether they're going to give him a new contract. He has one year left on his deal that's going to pay him $10 million this year. It was a four-year, $40 million a year. Uh, $8, million of the, $8 million of that goes to payments this year. He got $2 million of it was in bonus. So what happens now? He's going to want a deal to be paid in line with the best safeties in football, which would mean a contract in excess of $50 million and probably close to $40 million guaranteed. And he would start that contract at 29 and end it at 33. You just have a contract with a guy now, with a guy who can't play anymore, that you're going to have to pay over $11 million to over the next two years. Nothing you can do to change that. Absolutely nothing. So are you willing now to go to Earl Thomas and give him a contract far more money and take the chance that he can finish it and get to the end of it? Or do you just, since so many guys have gone, do you just move on and get the best deal you can get for him? I know there are teams out there, everyone just talks about the Cowboys. He wants to go to the Cowboys. There are other teams I know for sure that are interested in him. I know one is the Los Angeles Chargers. Our old friend here, Eric Williams, has tweeted about it. They would love to have him come there and help Derwin James in the secondary. Uh, and there are others. Somebody is bound to be willing to give you a to give you something decent for a Hall of Fame safety. And yeah, I realize people know that you're trying to cut a deal, but still, and I for me anyway. It's better to move on than have him play out this year either disgruntled or pay him what he wants, which I just don't see them doing that. We did this experimentary in the sports sports pit before the show thinking about, okay, how many wins are the Seahawks going to have this year with Earl Thomas in in the lineup and, and playing there at free safety? I mean, eight yeah. or nine, eight or nine wins, I think I think is a pretty reasonable expectation. That's maybe not even going to probably, probably not going to get you in the playoffs. And what will they do without him is your thoughts. Six, seven See, wins. I, I feel a little differently there. I feel as long as you have an elite level quarterback, which they have in Russell Wilson, you know, rated now one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. As long as you have that guy and you also have an anchor on defense in in Bobby Wagner, you should be able to win eight games. You know, if you unless something just goes horribly wrong, you should be able to win eight games. Now, a lot of that depends on if they get any pass rush with Frank Clark and Deion Jordan and how that's going to help that young secondary uh, the going forward. But is he so – the question is, how much of a difference is Earl going to make in this era of the team that has lost so many players? Look at the players they started with at the start of last season that aren't here now. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Jimmy Graham, Jerome, uh, Jermaine Curse, uh, you can go on and on and on. So you know that's it's gone. I mean, as painful as it is for all Seahawks fans to know that era is gone. Do you keep Earl here now to try and help the secondary and hope that he's okay with not getting a new contract, or do you give him a new contract? Boy, I don't know. I just I just don't know and see that that is the right way to go unless. No one's willing to offer them anything. Obviously, they could have him play out this year, not be happy, and get a third-round draft choice for him if he leaves as a free agent. Right. But they've got to be able to get more than that for him. I, I just Somebody's <laughs> yeah. got to offer them a veteran player, a good player, that might be able to come in and help them. And we're going to talk more about this uh, in the next hour with Curtis Crabtree, but 
it'll be interesting. And I, but I do think what happened with Cam impacts their decision on what they do with Earl going forward. Because they do have the guaranteed dollars that they still have to pay Cam because he's not officially retiring. Yeah, and I've heard all kind of stuff about that. Well, can't he just retire and they cut a settlement with him? Well, no. I mean, why would he do anything to cost himself $11 million? (laughs) That's just not going to happen. And you can't, you know, you can't even, even if he announced, okay, I'm retired, now give me my $11 million, it, it's, it still doesn't help you. That still goes against the cap. So it's complicated. I, I hate getting into all those cap numbers and all that stuff. But the, pro, the bottom line is they're going to have to pay him the money no matter what. And you made a really good point that because he is now going to still be part of the roster and he can't play, this could still mean that he is at practice and on the sideline during games. And his mentorship role, I mean, we're talking about the best strong safety in the NFL arguably right now. He's not a guy who just got there from big hits. Well, he's a smart player who can help out this young secondary. You know, people don't realize this because Richard Sherman was always the big talker. He was always yeah. the guy that would comment on any <laughs> subject and comment well, by the way. Thought-provoking comments, some you might not have agreed with, but he would always comment on any topic. Earl Thomas is a guy who's just so single-focused, and all he thinks about is what he's going to do on the field. I've never seen a guy practice as hard as Earl Thomas does. He practices like it's a game. And Cam is... Just a quiet guy who kind of does his own thing. He'll talk when you want him to talk, but that wasn't his thing. Mm-hmm. He just he just led by example. And I think I really think it would be great for them if they could reach some kind of situation where, hey, why don't if you're going to be around here, maybe eventually we can have you be part of our coaching staff. Maybe you highest paid assistant coach in the league next year. <laughs> well, that's for sure. But uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe the, I don't know. That's what he wants to do. But I think he would be really good at it because I know how much players respect him. And I know how much he's done the game. And another thing in that regard, by the way, real quick before we break, you know, when his when he first started as a as a young player, everyone knew he was a big hitter. But at that time, he couldn't do it without getting penalties. He would hit guys high. He sometimes would lead with his helmet. And then, of course, the game changed drastically as far as the rules go. You couldn't do that anymore. And he was able to change the way he played and still play at a very physical, aggressive level. That shows me so much about him and his athletic ability in that his he didn't go down at all when he realized he couldn't make the hits the same way. He was still as good as he ever was. He just learned how to make those hits correctly with his head up, hitting lower on the on the receivers or whoever it might be. He was able to do that when some guys haven't been able to do that so much. You know, it it bothers me a little bit when people compare Cam Chancellor to like uh Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum was just an un Jack Tatum couldn't play in the game today because he'd have a penalty on every play. Every <laughs> single play. I mean Jack Tatum was a really pretty dirty player. And I and I don't say that because of what happened with Daryl Stingley. For those who don't know, he had, there was a hit he did on Daryl Stingley. Daryl Stingley was paralyzed after that. That was not, you know, that that was just one of those things that happened. But but Tatum did have a lot of really bad, dirty hits that you could no longer do today. So he's not the same. I mean, he's definitely not that player. He's a much better athlete than Jack Tatum ever was, and a much better player than he ever was. So he's going to be missed, and and it's it's really hard to see that statement uh, that happened there yesterday with cam chancellor so we got a lot to talk about today we're going to talk mariners we're going to talk more seahawks stuff we're going to even have pj carlissimo on to talk about lebron james and the possible future of a new sonics team stick with us on sports radio 950 kjr